0: I figured since the Super Bowl Sunday, I'm gonna tell you about my Wall football career. How's that? Third grade, sixth grade. <laughs> that was good. Sixth grade, I played wide receivers. Sixth grade was a fun year. We scored a lot of touchdowns. I scored some touchdowns. I tossed passes, I ran reverses. We won a lot of games. We're fine. Whatever the opposite of that is, was third grade. And the reason I played wide receiver in sixth grade was because in third grade, I played quarterback, and I did so well they made me play wide receiver when I came back. I remember two things about my third grade year of football. Number one, I remember we won our last game. Nothing about the game, just that we won it. And that, that was the only game that we won all season. Then I remember two plays. Number one uh, was a play called a bootleg. Now this is where the quarterback takes the ball he goes back, he fakes a handoff to the running back and hopes that everyone on the other team thinks that person has it. And then he runs around the right side and runs for a touchdown. Now, the touchdown was the goal because all three times we ran it in practice, touchdown. And so the call comes into the huddle. The running the be like, I'm excited. This, this is gonna work great. So I take the snap, I fake the handoff. I hear the biggest pop you've ever heard, which means they think that guy has the ball. And I turn around. In practice, it was clear. <laughs> in a game, there was a fourth grader the size of Lawrence Taylor looking at me. There's the data. Redson. Looking at me, angrily. <laughs> he wants to hurt me. Now, looking back, I probably put out right now. I did okay, hey, so somebody else would have caught me, coffee, but he wouldn't have. Cool. But you know, that's not what I thought. Cool. My thought was, how can I get out of this? The least amount of pain, which is do, and so I did what I only thought I could do out of self-preservation. I dove two yards without so that he wouldn't feel the need to jump on top. Of I wanted to make it abundantly clear I have no intentions of going past you, sir. I'm going right here, and it worked. Not the play. me being safe. It worked. He walked off. Probably when we started we went back to his huddle, we should run that play again. The second play that we ran was called pass to the left in third grade. That's really technical name sort of thing. So passes to the left, this is where people go to the left and the quarterback passes it to them. Once again, in practice, it worked great. It worked awesome. I would throw it to them, they would catch it, they would run, right. you'd high five. So some play comes in, you're going to pass it to the left. And so when I get this high drop back. I feel right it. really good. And it's as if my teammates disappeared. And all I saw were 11 pairs of eyes peering deep into my soul once and once again to hurt me. And so I did what all the good quarterbacks did. I closed my eyes, and I threw it. Now, Football 101. If you call a play called Throw to the Left, everyone you're wanting to throw to is where? On the left. So it probably would've been smart, even if I did close my eyes, to not have done what I did, which was throw it to the right. The good news is my only career pass that I threw was caught by someone. The bad news is it was the other team, and they ran it back for a touchdown. And so, yeah, it didn't go very well. In practice, it worked. In theory, it would've worked. But when you get a little small third grader to run the play, in the face of everyone else running after them, wanting to hurt them, there's a little bit of panic that sets in, and all of a sudden the play that was called doesn't get run like it's supposed to all. I couldn't help but to think of my football career as i read stories. A group of people that are given specific instructions, a way to to live life to the rules. This is what you you need to do, only to see them in times of panic again and again and again, Turn from the things that they've This is the story of the Exodus, and this is the story that we're we'll going to cover today. Uh, if you would turn your, in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 24. Do you have a handout in the calendar? No, I did not slack off. Uh, after three years, uh, you should know this out. I don't really like outlines. Uh, number one, because I rarely stay on them. Number two, oh. because i I feel like sometimes we just sit and wait for something to be said up here we don't listen for anything you, you know, else, just what we want to fill in the blanks for and I want you to be able to write whatever comes down to you, so you can take it back but I want you to write down whatever comes, uh, there's some background that we want to do before we get to Exodus 24. Uh, Exodus 19 picks up with the Israelites. They have gone to the Red Sea. They have been receiving manna from God. And they arrive at Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, God and Moses are having a conversation. God tells Moses, I'm about to give you these laws. And these laws, these laws, as long as the Israelites follow them, then they will be my treasure of possessions. In 19.6, possession. he says, though the whole earth is mine, you will be a building, a priest, a holy nation. And Moses immediately goes from his conversation with God down on the mountain to the Israelites who are sitting at the foot of the mountain. He says, This is what God has to say. And they said, Everything, everything that the Lord says, we will do. And so they consecrate themselves. And then three days later, a cloud descends upon Mount Sinai. There's thunder, there's lightning, there's loud trumpet blasts. And Moses goes up and he receives the Ten Commandments. He receives the law. And he comes back down and he says, this is what God has to say. These are the laws that God has given. And all the Israelites say this, chapter uh, 24, verse 3. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Now, Anybody who spent any time in the Bible knows that this doesn't quite sound like the Israelites, does it? They're kind of the people who always try to go off and do their own thing. They don't seem like the people who, when God says something, they're saying, everything that you say, we're going to do. But you see, you got to put yourself in this situation. They cried out to God and said, please save us from Pharaoh. They were saved. They got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was closing in and they said, God, save us. Safe. They got to the other side, and they were starving. They said, God, we need food. And manna came down. They were safe.
1: And then when they get to the mountain, Moses
0: is playing kind of like the telephone game that the kids play downstairs. God says one thing, Moses hears it, and then passes it on to the Israelite people really, really quick. They're hearing from God in their time, and God is doing great things in their life. When you look back on your life, we, we get this phrase that we use in Christianity from instances like this with Moses. They're called mountaintop experiences. There are times that you have felt closest to God. You've been in sync with God. Either your personal Bible study has has, fallen, has gone really well and you feel really strong, or God has richly blessed you in some way that has made it completely evident that he's with you. And in these moments, don't you also look at God and you look at everything around you and say, why would I do anything else? The follow We've all had these moments. We've all had these times. And so even a group of people as fickle as the Israelites in this time who see God say, anything, we'll do it. Now, of course, the story continues. And the reason the story continues is because you and I both know that we very rarely live life on top of the mountain. For the most part, we're living life we can remember those times. We can remember the good times. We can remember the we felt closest to God. But the world has got us down, we slapped off on our personal uh, relationship with Him. Which is something that we spend the majority of our time down there. So, Moses, Moses goes back up to God. Moses goes back up to receive the Ten Commandments written on a stone, and things change a little bit. Remember, it went basically when they first got to Mount Sinai: God, Moses, Israelites. Now things have changed. It's God and Moses for 40 days by themselves. So for 40 days, for six weeks, imagine someone that you're close to not talking to them for six weeks. Maybe two months. Moses is up there. The Israelites are down here, And all of a sudden, when God does a work in the Israelites' silent the safest time and, his and they decided to take things in their hands instead of staying firm in the law that God gave to them they decided to take things in their hands and this is why the question that the posed that led to all of this was who is going to go before us they knew that this isn't the place that we're supposed to be Mount Sinai is not the promised land we have a ways to go to get there and then we're going to go through places where people already live I doubt that they're going to be very happy to have these thousands and thousands of visitors come by. They're going to be pretty angry. Who's going to go before us and take care of it? God, we haven't heard from him in six weeks. And Moses, who knows? He might even be dead up there. We need something to go before us. And so what happens is they make this golden calf. They come to Aaron. And Aaron was a great speaker. He was a terrible leader. And he says, give me all your gold. And he melts it. He makes this calf. And these are the words that that the Israelites say when it comes out. These, O Israel, are the gods who let us out of Egypt. Forty days. Forty days from receiving the Ten Commandments and saying, anything you say, I will do. The numeral of that being, there's no other God before me. Forty days later they say, these, God's last time in Egypt. But you see, we do the same thing. When we get to the foot of the mountain, we look back at times when we were happy. We look at around other people who are happy and successful and we say, that's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want this to feel like I'm bogged down by God who I haven't heard from in a little while. I want what everybody else wants. And so Moses gets the, the, the call from God to, to go back down. And if you will, uh, if you will go to uh, chapter 32, verse 19, it'll be on the screen if you don't have the uh, Bible with one in front of you. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tables out of his hands. Sorry, tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the, the mountain. Do you realize that, symbolically, that had already happened? <coughs> Everything God had said, the Israelites had already discarded at the foot of the mountains that were not falling. And he took the calf that they had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it into powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink. He said to Aaron, what did these people do to you that you led them into such a great sin? This is a classic response when we're talking sin, isn't it? Do not be angry, my lord, Aaron answered. We'll try to say it how he probably did You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, Whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold. And I threw it in the fire, and I came his calf. In other words, I me. They made me do it. <coughs> Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them go and get out of control and so become a laughing stop to their enemies. Now there's a lot of things wrong with what the Israelites did. They, I mean, they broke God's laws. They broke his commands. But I think it's very evident the reason Moses was the most mad. They became a laughing stock; their enemies. See, we see elsewhere in Scripture when the Israelites are completely and wholly devoted to God, that the people that they are going towards, they say, that they literally shake. They are scared to death. They've heard what God has done for them in Egypt. They've heard what God has done to the Red Sea. He's heard that these thousands of people are going to the desert and they're not dying because they're getting fed. This God is is someone that we really don't want to mess with. But what happens is that they peer down and see at the foot of the mountain the Israelites, completely ignoring everything that God told them to do. They figure to themselves they're not caring about God. We shouldn't have to care about them either. They're a laughing stuff. What a modern day illustration? At one time the church was the most vibrant entity ever to, to be on this earth. It spread like wildfire. People were sold out for God. You ever mentioned the church to one of your non-Christian friends? They laugh. Foot of the mountain, we forget the thing that the law does for us. This is what's on your hand. Though. God's law sets us apart. God's law sets us apart. It distinguishes us from everyone else and everything else. It's what motivates us to do what we do. It tells us that we don't need to care what everybody else is saying or what everybody else is doing you need to focus on God and his truth the thing that you need to ask yourself right now is to look over your life in the past day week or so answer this questions truthfully this day and this week or whatever is there a noticeable difference between the way you live your life and the way a non-christian would live this In last day week or so is there a noticeable difference between the words that you use and the words that your co-workers use in the last day week or so is there a noticeable difference how you treat that kid everyone picks on at school in comparison to the ones I picked on her because you see as God's people we're set apart Better, we're held to a an higher standard, and it doesn't matter what is popular. How about this? The last day, of the week or so, is your family operated in the same way that God helps your family to operate? Just like one on TV. <coughs> you see, we are set apart. We are called people. We have something that is inside of us, that sets us apart from everything else. But at the foot of the mountain, it's so very hard to realize that. When we're up with God, when we're on our mountaintop experiences, God tells us to do something. Everything you say, we will do. But when we're down on the foot of the mountain and everyone else's words are surrounding us, that's when it becomes hard. And that's when it becomes up to us to make sure that we realize that we're set apart for something bigger, better, and greater. Well, that's a little bit of scripture we want to look at. Turn over your Bibles to chapter 33, verse 15. We, we know that God had conversations with Moses throughout the Exodus. In fact, the, the Bible says that God spoke to Moses as if he was speaking to a friend. So what Moses is saying here is a prayer. It is a prayer to God. And listen how powerful this is. Verse 15. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people facing the earth? Moses got it. He understood the thing that set them apart from everyone else is God. Now we, as Christians, after accepting Christ and being obedient to Him in baptism, have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. It lives inside of us. And the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us, is not a timid spirit. It has great power. It has done great things. But if there's something Christians are good at, is that we have been really good at quenching that, that spirit and keeping it down. We put barriers over it to make sure that it's not reaching its full potential. But see, all that's doing is trying to be like everyone else. You are called to something bigger, better, greater. The spirit that lives inside of you is what makes that happen. What if today, you can start by doing that every Sunday. What if today you said this, to paraphrase Moses' words, if your presence is not going to lift us, God, don't let me get out of this here. Don't let me leave this building. And since we have the Holy Spirit inside us, those who have accepted Christ, if your presence, God, is not active, living, and breathing in my life, don't let to suppress it when you leave these doors you look just like everyone else Jesus made it abundantly clear that you were called to be a shining city on the hill for everyone to see as the worship team comes forward there's a couple of decisions that we have to make today number one is this if you never accept Christ as your Savior then there is nothing that sets you apart from anyone else Everyone else who hadn't accepted Christ as their Savior has the same fate awaiting them, and that's death. And so if today is the day that you make the decision that you want God to live inside of you through the Spirit, that you want to accept Christ as your Savior, we invite you to come forward at this time. But even more than that, you who have already been baptized, maybe this is the Sunday that you pray this prayer to God. God, get rid of whatever it is, and name it by name. Admit it. Get rid of this in my life that's keeping me from fully following you. I want ask that you stand and we say a prayer together. Just stand. And if you have a decision at the conclusion of this prayer, we invite you to come. Let's pray. God, Father, if your, your presence, if your spirit isn't living, breathing, active, my life and in our lives. Don't let us leave this place today until it is. Lord, if we look like everyone else and talk like everyone else and act like everyone else, don't let us leave this place until we realize that we are set apart. Lord, we look forward to the day that we live on the mountain, but we know that that's only going to become When we come to meet you in heaven, we have a lot to do here still on earth. Help us to remember that we're set apart. We're not called to be like everyone else. We're called to know you. Lord, I ask that you would soften the hearts of all of us here. That we would be open to what you have to say. May we be a people that are set apart. Identified by the blood of your son Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's in his name, we